0: I find it interesting Christmas season, right? Because there's a lot of the hustle and bustle. There's all sorts of things that are going on. But how many of you, um, how many of you uh, play, play host over the course of Christmas? Whether it be kids coming back home or grandkids or the, the party is at your house just by default. No one asks you. Everyone just shows up, right? How many of you kids out there know the feeling of, I have to give up my bed for aunt and uncle, whoever. Right? You know that feeling? How many of you, it's your room that the guests stay in, so you get evicted, right, during Christmas so that they can stay? Well, well, thank you for that. If your mom and dad don't say that to you, thank you for that. But there's, there's different levels of, of cleaning when you're hosting too, isn't there? Right? There's different people that come over that require different levels of cleaning. Have you noticed this? <laughs> I think this is a universal truth that nobody talks about, right? And, and if, you, if you have the luxury of a guest room, usually when people come over and don't stay the night, everything gets pushed into the guest room and the door gets closed. Oh, that's just us? <laughs> but when you have guests that are coming and actually staying, you got to figure out what you're going to do <laughs> with the mess that cannot be contained, right? Oh, okay, again, just me? No. I think it's a universal thing that that y- you you get a feeling for, okay, is this is is the neighbor coming over who's there every two or three days? That's one level of clean, right? And then there's the level of clean that that has to come when when you're hosting someone that doesn't come home but once in a decade, right? Or if you hear that, that that person that you are longing to come home is finally coming home. That's a whole other level of being prepared. Whether that be thinking of the meals, whether that be the mess that needs cleaned up. We have a fair number of our, our kids in the service this morning, Right? Kids, how many of you are, are kind of frustrated that right before Christmas, you have to, like, clean and stuff and keep all your toys? There's an honest man in the back. Okay, the bus is wait. There's an honest older man in the back. Yeah, he has to put his, his toys away because people are coming over, right? <laughs> but all of us spend time preparing, don't we? Preparing for the arrival of people. Now, that might not be around Christmas, but that might be other times of your life. And this time that we have leading up to Christmas, we are Christmas Eve today, right? The, 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 the right before Christmas Day day. And that just brings to our hearts this, this understanding of, I need to be prepared. How many of you still have things that after church, you need to run quickly to the store? I'll try not to keep you too long so you can do that. You need to run quickly to the store because you know people are coming tomorrow, or coming tonight, but we all have a certain level of prepared or not prepared that we feel over the course of Christmas. I want you to think about those different levels of clean and those different levels of prepared, right? If your kids are coming home from college, they're really only interested in one thing about Christmas, the laundry machine, okay? <laughs> right? This is the, Right, and so your level of clean for them, it's like, oh, you might like put a little gift on their bed and you know make their bed, you know, because it wasn't made since the last time they came home from, right? But if you had someone give you a call and say, due to some unforeseen situation, the um, the one of your senators is going to come and spend Christmas with you that would be a different level of prepared wouldn't it right i want you to think for just a second the reality of who jesus christ is he is coming into the world he has come into the world but as we as we celebrate christmas and as we think about christmas we do the same sort of thing in our hearts that 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 the Israelites, after 400 years of silence, were doing in theirs. Waiting for him to come, waiting for him to rescue us. Now, they wanted rescue from Roman occupation, but we, we see now, we understand now, that Jesus is coming to rescue us from a whole lot more than who's in charge of the government. Jesus is coming to rescue us from our own sin and our own selfishness, and the wrath of God. Are we prepared for him to enter the scene this Christmas? Are we taking in what he has truly come to do and what he is truly about? We've been talking this Christmas about what it is for glory itself to dwell among us. And last week, for grace itself to dwell Among us. And today we're going to talk about what it is that truth incarnate has come to live among us. John 1 14. So if you if you want to find your place in in your Bible somewhere, mainly where we're going to be is John 1, verses 14 to 18. John 1, 14, kind of the banner verse over our series, is, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory glory of the only son from the father full of grace and truth many of you probably have that memorized right full of grace and truth he's full of glory he's he's truly the radiance of god displayed to us shown to us and he's full of grace Something we often think about, in Christian circles at least, that grace makes Christianity different than any other religion out there. That God would come to us, near us, rather than calling us to work our way to Him. He's full of grace. And today, truth dwells among us. In another expression of God's grace upon grace that is through Jesus Christ, out of his fullness, right? Look at verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, Think about this. Truth from Moses is like reading it in a book from a guy long dead. Truth from Jesus is like the definition of truth moving into your house and living with you every moment of your life. Are those different things? I mean, I love reading. I enjoy reading a lot. But reading about something and having someone move into your home are two very different things. You can read something and have a kind of arm's length relationship with it, but when truth moves into your life and demands a place in all of your decisions, all of your life, all of what you do, that is a very different situation. And that is really one of the things that Christmas is about. Truth has moved in and everything is different. Nothing can remain the same. Think about your house. If Jesus moved into your house, and sorry kids, took over that spare bed that you used to have, would that disrupt your life? (laughs) Yes. Especially if you realized it's the Son of God who sees all, and knows all, and is all. (laughs) Your life would change drastically. This gives us a feeling of what Christmas really is. That's exactly what the incarnation is. The word of God in living form. Truth from God with facial expression. A finger that wipes away tears. Hands that grab and flip tables. Vocal cords that deliver the Sermon on the Mount and comfort friends when they grieve. When Jesus comes, revelation happens. For something to be revealed or laid bare, true light is shown onto it and it's seen as what it truly is. That's what happens when Jesus becomes a man and lives in this world. We start to understand the truth and reality of who God is. Even better, even more than we could In light of the Ten Commandments. In light of the law. Now Jesus doesn't set aside those things. He fulfills them. And he shows them what living this out would look like with flesh wrapped around it. Our flesh wrapped around it. Because that's what he enters into. He is truly the full revelation of God. The ultimate answer to any question ever asked has to deal with and submit to who Jesus is. From the garden, God has desired to dwell with us. And in Christmas, he shows us what it would look like if he did. And we get 33 years of it until we get too uncomfortable with it and quite literally put him to death. That's Christmas all the way through to the cross. But there's a problem, isn't there? Jesus comes to live among us. Look at verse 18. I hope this is actually really encouraging for you. You've maybe felt this. Look at verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. How many of you have felt the frustration in the midst of prayer that you're talking to God, but, but you don't have the response of someone in the room with you? How many of you, in the midst of going through suffering or pain or difficulty, are crying out to God? Your, your, your prayers look a lot like the Psalms, and you're crying out to God, and you, you wish that He were actually with you in the room. Maybe you're like Job, and you'd say, I just want an audience with Him because we'll get a couple things straightened out. <laughs> Or maybe you're like Mary and Martha and you say, if you only would have been here. Our experience with God right now is not as it will be. We are looking forward to the day where God truly, fully dwells among us. But if he was going to come and dwell with us fully, fully, we needed to be made right with him so that dwelling with us fully didn't kill us completely. Does that make sense? Jesus comes to show us who God really is in human form, fully God, fully man, and he comes to show us what truth is all about, what reality is all about, what God is truly like. Jesus has made the unseeable God seeable. And I don't, I don't think anybody's going to burn me at the stake for being a heretic for saying that. That's a pretty strong statement, but that's what Jesus has done. He's revealed that which was not revealed in that way Before. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He's before all things. And in him all things hold together. The unseeable God, the Father, is revealed by the visible God Jesus Christ, the Son, with no disparity, no segmentation. This Son of God is in deep personal fellowship with God, at the Father's side, near the Father, in the closest relationship with the Father, and He comes to us to show us what that relationship with Him might actually look like. If anything, I hope that this sermon helps us not only wonder at the ability of God to come in human form, but to wonder at what it would be like to interact with Jesus himself. (laughs) Do you imagine the disciples and and their interactions with Jesus? I hope there's a bit of you that, that longs for the day where you get to experience that. Where it's no longer talking to what feels like an empty ceiling in a closet and talking face to face with your Savior. And Christmas makes that possible. Jesus remains a man with whom we will get to interact with personally That's a lot to take in, isn't it? The very fact that Jesus came as a baby tells us a whole lot about God's kindness and compassion, doesn't it? Think about that. What attributes would you assign to a baby? (laughs) Weak, humble, needy. Now, we've got to be careful with our analogies, but but God does not despise weakness. He welcomes it. In fact, he sent his son to be a weak baby that needed raised by a mom. (laughs) And that was not in any way beneath him. He was showing us, he's telling us that those things do not scare him away. So I want you to ask just applicationally, is there weakness? Is there smallness? Is there humility in your life? Is there something that that by the world's standards, everyone else would just forget it and walk away? I mean, this baby was born in a shed, a barn, a cave. I don't know. None of those things seem real glorious. And the world seemed to forget about him there for a bit. Are there those realities in your life? God does not despise those small things, those weak things. They're part of humanity. In fact, he sends his son to be born in that state so he could draw near to us in that state. But we can't think of Jesus just as cute little baby Jesus and leave him there, can we? Sometimes we wish we could. Christmas can stay and remain pretty sanitized and it doesn't cut into our life the way that we sometimes try to avoid. I want you to look up at the top of this chapter, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that has been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want you to think for a second that as truth comes to dwell among us and with us, it brings with it consequences. I tell my kids our, and our students ministry all the time, truth has consequences. There's no way around it. It is what it is. Reality is what it is. We cannot change reality or truth. They remain fixed and constant. And they have consequences, right? Jesus coming to this earth Truth dwelling among us has consequences. And here in John 1, 1 to 5, there are two of them that are stated. When Jesus comes into the world, what results, the consequences of it, is light and life. That's what Jesus brings with him. We can't separate those things. In fact, they are, in a way, uh, a, a way that help us understand what truth does itself. Think about truth for a second. Truth has consequences. So does flipping the light on while your children are sleeping. You ever had this experience before? It's quite fun. You should all become parents so you can do it. Right, kids? Do you enjoy, do you enjoy students, kids? I, we have some younger kids in here. We have some students in here. Do you, do you, do you enjoy when, when, when the light gets flipped on? Now, some of you are thinking, some of my kids are well awake before I ever flip the light on. They're the ones jumping on your head on Christmas morning at 5.45 a.m. Okay? This is why we taught our children to read a clock. Right? Wait until it says 8-0. Saturday mornings, 8-0. Not a minute before that, right? But flipping the light on has consequences, doesn't it? While it might uh, bring the 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 groan of your, your children when you do it. What does light do? What does light do? Well, let's think about what light does, what truth does by thinking, first of all, what happens in darkness? What's the result of darkness or a lack of truth? What happens in the dark? Fear, confusion, frustration, stubbed toes, dangers that we are unaware of, imagined dangers that aren't actually there. Evil goes unchecked, unseen, and unpunished. And on and on and on. Just, just thinking quickly about what darkness means. The innocent suffer in the dark. And on and on. Hopelessness continues. Grief never lifts. Slavery continues. And can I just say, as an aside, if you reject the truth of Jesus Christ, that is the world you live in. No light Nothing is really seen as it really is if there's no light. If there's no Jesus, there's no light. And if there's no light, you have all of these things, and that's the world we live in, isn't it? And we all have different reactions to light, don't we? The teenager that wants to roll over in his bed doesn't like the light because 3 a.m. sounded like a good idea, until 8 a.m. rolls around, right? How many college students out there can testify, right? Finishing that paper seemed like a good idea, right? But maybe three days earlier was a better idea, right? We have different reactions to light. When light shines in, it can either cause us to want to back away from it because we're so used to our darkness, or it causes us to want to cover up the things that are there. Think about the world's reaction to Jesus Christ. Isn't that the reality of what they do too? What I, left to myself, would want to do? (laughs) It's amazing to think that as light comes in, when the truth of who Jesus is shines into the darkness in which he comes to dwell, what results? What are the results of light? Think for a second, at least the positive results of light. Fear is replaced with trust of God. Confusion is replaced with clarity. Frustration with purpose. Stubbed toes with a clear path and understanding of dangers, evil is exposed, it's revealed, it's dealt with, and the opportunity for good and love arise. Unless, of course, we're so used to the darkness that light is a threat, right? This is all that's happening as we think about Christmas. We may not have it on our radar, but when light shines in the darkness, This is what's happening. Hope dawns when we felt all hope was lost. And the truth sets us free, just like light does. Kids, can you picture for a second what it is to be in a dark room with absolutely no light? Absolutely no light, and you think to yourself, my mom told me to keep the light off, and you're good, so you obey right? But you're thinking to yourself, I really, really want to play with these toys that I'm going to get tomorrow at Christmas, okay? You really, really want to turn the light on, but when the light is off, you don't have freedom to play with your toys. You can maybe hold them, you can maybe tell, right, is this, but you don't have real freedom to do it until the light turns on, can you see the connections here? When Jesus comes onto the scene, when truth comes onto the scene, truth sets you free if you would embrace it. Light brings warmth and clarity and the ability to enjoy all the good gifts that have been given. But when Jesus comes into the world, he doesn't just bring light, he brings life as well. I think it's amazing to to see and think that, that in our lives one of the things that our time and energy and effort is spent most on is living what we would call life. We we want a good life. We want a good life for us. We want a good life for our kids. We want a a satisfying life. We want a life that's full of joy. And the question is, where are we going to find that? We've already eliminated that that you can't really find true life and true freedom in life in the darkness. But you can also make a misstep by trying to find true life and satisfaction in those things that don't actually bring it. And this is why Jesus comes. Because we have a propensity to try to find life in absolutely anything but what God says truly brings life, don't we? And even if you do not go down that road very often, you know many that do. (laughs) We see areas where we have grown stagnant, asphyxiated or worse, cold and dead and in need of revival. How many of you can feel that, especially maybe when you have a little more time to think about it around Christmas? and you look around and everything else seems joyful and happy, or at least the Christmas music makes it seem so. We need life. We need life in the midst of our circumstances that threaten to grind us down. We need life in our marriages, in raising kids, in dealing with health problems, in work and stress and all the rest. And these things can slowly wear us down and leave us deadened in our ability to see and know god and his power to bring life into the situation we often face these things this lack of life because we've rejected or slowly begun to turn away from the source of life, little by little we've maybe believed that it's up to us and us alone to bear up under this lack of life and pull even harder on dead bootstraps. But Christmas, even this Christmas, reminds us that Jesus Christ was sent into this world, entering. Our deadness and our darkness and our sin to bring us life, life from the dead, hope from hopelessness. He comes as the source of life, giving it out to all who would realize their need for it. And He actually gives His life by giving up His life. And you and I have to do something very similar. We have to choose to seek real and true life by giving up what we think will bring us life that doesn't actually bring us life. That's the reality for every single one of us. We have to give up so much of what we think will bring us life and is ultimately empty and come in empty-handed, wholehearted trust of the God who would enter into our world. That's truly Christmas. And when I ask you if you have done that, would you consider your life characterized by just kind of darkness and fumbling around and trying to, trying to find what, what seems good and seems right, but nothing seems to work well? Your, your toes are so stubbed from walking into whatever end table is there because you can't see clearly the path of life. You can't see clearly what's going to cause you pain or what's going to bring you joy, and you're just trying really hard to figure out where you are. If you are in that place, I want to say take heart, okay? If you've realized that, you are already a step ahead. You're a step toward what God would have for you. If you're tired of of stumbling around in the dark, if you're tired of of people getting away with evil and you just don't know what else to do, right? Fill in whatever category you're in. There's hope because light has dawned in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ shines the light to show you where the obstacles are where sin is, and where the actual path to life is. Maybe you're in the other category. Maybe you can see it clearly, but you've been pursuing so many other things that you thought would give you life, and they have left you empty. Maybe you come up to, to Christmas right now, and you are overwhelmed because you've gone a thousand different places to a thousand different wells, and all of them have left you unsatisfied. If you're in that place, you need to realize that Jesus Christ has come to not only give life, but to be your life, your source of life, your source of actual satisfaction that will never run dry. Yes, he will call you to turn away from your sin. Yes, he will call you to give up your life to him. But what you receive is life that can never be taken from you into eternity. So I set those things before you. Truth has come to dwell with us. Reality has settled upon us the way things really are as we look at Christmas and we see Jesus coming in the flesh. It reveals the reality of what life really is. And whether you've trusted Christ already and need to be reminded that no, he truly is my light and life, or if you've never considered him, the invitation is open. Come to Christ. He is truth dwelling among us. He is willingly, generously offering you light and life and truth. Will you take it? Will it be yours? Maybe you're visiting with us. Maybe somebody, somebody dragged you along today to a Christmas Eve service. Talk to them about this. Ask them those questions. Come up to me after the service and ask those questions. How do I really get the light and the life that you're talking about? Because I'm tired of stubbing my toe. I'm tired of going to things that just don't satisfy anymore. Come find me. Come talk to me. I'd love for this Christmas Eve to to spill over into a Christmas where you see and know who Jesus really is. If you're a believer and you're wrestling with that, and you need somebody to talk to, come find me. Because this is what Christmas is about. This is the reality of what it means for the Son of God to become a baby that we celebrate today.